Hey friends, and welcome to episode 45 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies for work, life, and balance. I'm your host, Anna Dearman-Cornick, and today's episode is on something that I'm going to bet is one of our least favorite subjects, rejection, not making the cut, being told no, getting turned down. But at least with a big fat no, we get some closure, right? I think the only thing that might be worse than getting the no is the waiting. When today's guest, Jessica Hoddle, reached out with the idea to record a podcast episode dedicated to waiting and rejection, I was intrigued. I've definitely waited on pins and needles for what turned out to be my fair share of rejections from job interviews, waiting for a guy to call only to be ghosted, and waiting for other life milestones to come my way while everyone else seemed to be passing me up. If you're in a season of waiting or anticipation right now, or if you've ever been there, you're going to love listening in on this candid conversation with Jessica. But first, let me introduce you to Jessica. Jessica Hoddle has a passion for helping women get emotionally and physically healthy while keeping God at the center. She inspires and encourages thousands by sharing her own personal struggles, victories, and journey through life. Jessica is a successful online entrepreneur, speaker, and podcaster for What's the Truth, and author of two best-selling books, Know Your Worth and A Worthy Wife, along with a third book, own your worth. Her other passions are being a wife to her husband, John, being a mama to their three cats, and spending her free time outside whenever she can, playing golf, hiking, reading, or writing in her journal. Jessica has a heart that runs hard after Jesus and credits everything she has done to her Savior. In today's conversation, she shares how she uses quarterly planning to focus on what matters most, how to keep your why top of mind while you're waiting, how to handle the big no's and rejections you encounter in life. Plus, she shares her best advice for pushing past the fear of no and taking action. Now, I know you've got a lot on your plate and you might be listening to this episode while running errands, folding laundry, or getting dressed, and you're not exactly able to jot down notes easily when you hear something you want to remember. But don't you worry, I've taken notes so you don't have to. You can find all the details of this episode over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 45. Finally, I want to thank you again for tuning in and being a fan. And if you haven't yet, I invite you to click the subscribe button to be notified as soon as new episodes and surprise bonus episodes go live. If you like what you hear, I'd be so grateful for your review. Your reviews play a huge role in helping others find It's About Time in the search results. And you might just get a shout out in a future episode, like this one from Mooski J. Mooski J was so kind to leave a five-star rating and review. Mooski J writes, amazing podcast. I am so glad I found this podcast. It was exactly what I needed to get my life together. I used to be super organized many jobs ago, but as time passes, it is so good to hear new tips or just get a refresher on how to keep things organized. 
I have already heard so many useful takeaways that I can implement today. Thank you. Well, my friend Mooski, I am so pumped that It's About Time is exactly what you needed and is giving you lots of useful takeaways. Thank you so much for listening, and I'm so grateful to have you as a fan of the show. And with that, it's about time we get started, so let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Hey, Jessica, and welcome to It's About Time. I am so excited to talk with you today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. You know, thank you so much for, you know, giving your time today. I'm really thrilled to dig into, you know, learning about you, to sharing what you're doing with the It's About Time audience, and, you know, to dig into the topic of waiting. So, you know, in the intro, I told everyone a little bit about you, you know, official style, but I love to hear from you in your own words, you know, how do you spend your time these days? Well, no. So I, well, first of all, I love being outside. So when summer hits here in Pennsylvania, it's something, cause we I feel like we only get like two months of summertime. <laughs> And my schedule, I tried to really lump a lot of the calls and everything like Monday through Wednesday. And so Thursdays and Fridays can be a little bit lighter days. I've been working from home since I was 24. And at the time of this recording, I'm 32. And, you know, everybody wants to work from home, but you still have to have such uh, boundaries and that willingness to continue to show up even when you don't feel like it. Yeah. So therefore I, you know, take care of my business. I create my to-do list. I get up in the morning and, you know, we can kind of get into that a little bit later, but really prioritizing, you know, my health and my fitness along with making sure that I'm allowing brain space and reading and really just quality time too with my husband. We love watching like World of Dance and America's uh, Got Talent. So that's a great thing right now. Uh, just making sure that there's also play in there, you know, in the midst of all of the work. And we have three cats. And I just finished writing my fourth book. So wait, wait, before the books, what are your cats' names? Like this is important stuff, Jessica. Yeah, I know. So Tux and Toya, they're brother and sister, they're 10, and Baby Nugs, he's one. <laughs> okay, great. Glad we've got, glad we've got that covered. I know, cat, now, cat are important. What, now, what about the books? I have, so I have three books. I've written three books over the last five years. I uh, started with Know Your Worth, uh, Worthy Wife, Own Your Worth, and then my fourth book, which I just, I already wrote it last year in 2019, but uh, the Lord completely rechanged it and everything. So one book turned into two books. So now I finally wow. finished one half of the book and we're on our way to some more agents and publisher to proposals. 
How exciting. I, all of that just sounds wonderful. I have to say the fact that you have arranged your work from home schedule to allow you to take advantage of the limited summer months, being a Louisiana girl, I completely understand. Like we don't even go outside for like (laughs) half of July, all of August and most of September, because it's like walking outside into a sauna. Hmm. So yeah, I feel you there, you know, taking advantage of it while you can. And it's so true. Like people, um, I I think a lot of people have really gotten a glimpse into what the work from home life is really like. And you do have to be so much more structured and self-disciplined than when you're reporting to an office every day. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Jessica, tell me a little bit about what work looks like for you. Do you spend most of your time writing? Do you work with clients? Do you, I know that you're also, you also have a fantastic podcast. You know, what is it that you're working on while you're working from home? I think over the last, I've been in business for 10 years. So I started my fitness business at 22 while I was still working full time and, you know, doing all the stuff. And over the years, obviously I've matured, (laughs) I've grown, and I really had to learn how to come into my business, meaning I am very strict about how I listen to trainings. So I adopted this probably a few years ago. I don't listen to trainings, like trainings, meaning how to grow and business building and, and, you know, learning stuff about writing and speaking. I don't listen to trainings that I don't need to listen to in this season. So if I'm not doing a webinar, I'm not going to listen to a podcast that talks about webinars just because they talk about webinars. I'm very focused in the fact of what is it that I need to learn in this season of my life? And I stay focused on that. I delete all the other podcasts. I don't listen to trainings about email list building if that's not my focus. What I started to learn about that in myself was it was I started to get really distracted and I started to chase everything. So it was like, I was listening to an email, uh, you know, course. I was like, Ooh, I got to do my entire new email while I'm still trying to do all this other stuff. So that was really something, you know, what, how my work looks these days is it's very focused on trainings. Then I really came into how recently, probably the last year and a half, breaking down quarters for myself. Then inside of the quarters, I have very specific focuses. And then of course, monthly also breaks that down. So for example, I'll kind of give you this book process of how it really helped me of, you know, the third quarter of last year, I was like third quarter, the main goal was to write the book. The fourth quarter was to create the proposal and send to agents. And then the, the first quarter of 2020, I was going to wait out that timeline for agents. Right. And I think that, that being able to structure my workflow that way helped me to then break it down into my days. So now my days are very structured, kind of like a school schedule. Now, I wasn't always like this, but it has helped me be able to stay focused on specific things in different categories. So for example, I will spend maybe an hour doing writing stuff. I will look at agents. I will do edits on proposal. I will edit chapters, whatever it is that I have to do with that. Then I will look at my podcast load and go, okay, the, today I have podcasts and that's two hours. And then uh, I, my fitness business, I have to do all these tasks for my fitness business. So every day it's broken up into kind of these school chunks. Cause you know, in school, it's like, we have English, then you have social studies and then you have, yes. so that's kind of how I can stay focused on different projects, different days. I love that. Where did you 
Hopefully that's a lot. It's a lot of breaking down, but that's kind of like my everyday. I look at it overly overcast, like not overcast, but overall. <laughs> overview. Then, right? <laughs> yeah, overview. There you go. And then the quarterly, then the daily. See, that's fantastic. Any opportunity that we have to break long-term goals into smaller chunks and smaller chunks and smaller chunks, it makes things so much less overwhelming. I have to ask, where did you learn this quarterly annual planning system? <laughs> uh, it's been adapted over the years. Like I said, I have been in so many different trainings from Shalene Johnson, James Wedmore. I mean, I mean, she works his way and all these different business trainings over the years and masterminds and do it this way and break it down in the year and have one push goal. And I was like, okay, what, what am I called to do? What makes sense for me? And how can I finally break this down to what I'm called to do. And I think that is, I just took everything that I knew and started to work into something that made sense for me. Cause I can focus on a quarter. I can go, this is what the quarter's about. It's getting the book written. It's getting, you know, the agents and proposal, like whatever it is, that's going to be my goal. If, if I'm going to, you know, I took one whole quarter last year to do well in 2019 to just do podcasting, mm -hmm. to create my episodes, to upload, to understand, to learn, you know, really, I just adapted it over the years. So if your people are going to probably like, what apps do you use? I use a paper calendar. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest. I what, use a paper calendar. What's your paper what calendar of choice? Is it a specific one? Nope. nope. See, here's what I've learned about myself is I don't need anything fancy to get me to work. Yeah. Because I'm like a worker by nature. Uh -huh. So I don't, if you give me like a planner that has like coloring and like, you know, stickers. I just, I don't, me personally, I, I don't want to spend the time to do all that. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, I just get a paper. Uh, I just order one from Amazon and the day planner is usually one that I use of some kind. Mm -hmm. I've had hers for a couple of years and I just write out in my sections, like on my day, it usually is like podcast, you know, writing, uh, fitness business, and then other is kind of how my day is structured. Uh, so I just use, I cross it off and I just continue to cross off my list. I don't do anything on my phone as far as apps because so much of my work is on my phone because it's on, you know, like social media is part of my business. Yeah. So the more that I can separate screen time and apps, the better it is for me. Hopefully that helps. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. I always love hearing how people do things so differently. You know, in one podcast episode, I'll talk with someone who is a total app junkie and, you know, loves, you know, using different apps to keep her on top of things. And then, you know, hearing from you that you are devoted to just keeping it simple and having a paper planner, like that's fantastic. It's such proof that you don't need all the bells and whistles to be successful. You can keep it simple, but hey, if you want to use apps, that's cool too. Yeah, absolutely. And I, like, I think for me, it was just more of a distraction because I'm a very, my brain is very organized. It needs to be broken down into very specific sections. It's just how that, how I work best. And I have like this timer that I got from Amazon. I love it. It, I can flip it to like specific countdown. So it's like a stop sign almost. Cool. And I just turn it to its side. And that's how I work in increments to keep focus. So if I'm doing writing, I'll set it for, you know, two 30 minute sections and it will just count down. And I don't work on anything until I'm very particular about brain space. So I try not to 
oh, I'm going to do a little bit of writing and then I'm going to go check emails and I'm going to come back to writing. It's very kind of productivity of, I understand that how much brain energy you use when you have all the tabs up, open and, and you toggle. Absolutely. You you recognize your need for that. And frankly, everyone has this need, whether they realize it or not, but to have that um, dedicated focus time in order to get into the flow, in order to do that deep work. And the way that that works best for you is by, you know, using your timer and staying focused, um, almost like the Pomodoro method, but not necessarily in like the 25-5 or the 20 and five, whatever that yeah. is. Yep. Um, that's really cool. So here's a question. Yeah, I was talking with a girlfriend the other day about long-term goals. And the way that you do your annual planning with your quarterly focuses, you know, where do your where do your long-term goals live so that you don't forget about them? I'm gonna bet that they don't live in your head because clearly you're someone who is very intentional about your brain space. So where do your long-term goals live and how do you keep track of your progress? They'll either live, the overall goals tend to live on a big post-it note on my wall or in my notebook where I have very specific notebooks for specific things that I can always go back to, you know, whether it's podcast notes, this is that notebook for just book writing and podcasts. And this notebook is for just business building and this. So I keep quarter one, quarter two, quarter three, all the quarters with their stats. So that tells me, am I growing? Every time I go, like we're coming up on an end of a quarter now, which at the time of this recording, it's end of June. So I'll go in and I'll look at all my stats. Did we grow? How is it growing? Uh, And kind of look at all of that. And that tells me, am I moving in the direction that I want to go according to what I've written down for my goals? Interesting. So do you have a different notebook for each quarter? No, they'll just be in a notebook and then I will transfer them into an Excel document. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So you've got a combo of your notebook, but you've also got these long-term goals and like the quarterly milestones and then, you know, the weekly, monthly milestones in an Excel doc. Does that sound right? Yeah. Because I think what happens for me is that if we don't do the daily persist. I don't want to say daily because everybody can't work daily on their, you know, dream job or whatever it is, but consistent, regular. Yeah. Yeah. It's understanding that the daily action steps you take matter in the direction of your big goal. So you can have this big goal, but if you don't break it down every day or what it looks like every day to do those things, you know, are you sharing your podcast? Are you having people opt in? Are you, you know, doing all these things? then you're not going to move the needle forward. And so for me, I have very specific um, to-dos, like trackers that I have where I can check off to remind myself, did I share my opt-in today? So that I can just stay focused. Wow. That is, that's awesome, Jessica. (laughs) I know. I'm, I'm very detailed, but the more I write down and have checklists for myself on very specific things, the less that I forget because of the different categories I tend to focus on. Yeah, that is fantastic. I absolutely love that. So, wow, we've really spent a good amount of time with you sharing your strategies with us for, you know, how you stay on top of your business goals, you know, but there's so much more to us than our businesses. There's so much more to us than their work, than our work. You know, what are some of the ways that you or maybe you and your husband or maybe you, your husband and your three cats work together to stay on top of the the life part of life? Mm, yeah. 
you know, my day right now, my since you know, during this, you know, it's been 2020 has been our fun year, right? <laughs> Where Very interesting for sure. My, <laughs> quite an adventure. My husband was working from home and I would say the schedule changed a little bit. We sleep in a little bit longer and I say sleep in is like 730. Yeah. And so I, I'll typically work. We're both typically work starting at like nine or 930 because I get up and I read and I, and I journal a lot. That's kind of my morning time. And so mm-hmm. I'll start work at like 930. And we'll have lunch around 1231. And then we'll we'll go back to work until about four or five. And pretty much during that time is typically work. Now, if I need to do like a 40, 15, 45, 15, meaning 45 minute work because my eyes feel tired or something like that, then I'll start to throw in on that work day like laundry, right? Mm-hmm. Or doing the dishes or whatever. But during the work time, I try to just put the dishes in the sink. And then when, you know, work is done, we're like agreeing to be done for today. Since he's home, that's kind of when life. <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay, I'm home now, quote unquote. Yeah. And I, you know, we'll make dinner and just kind of hang out, watch our shows that we like. But with it's summer, now it's, are we going to go ride our bikes? Are we going to go outside and walk? And, you know, cause we don't have uh, kids. So we just kind of like, he wants to golf tonight after the podcast interview. And that's just our reality right now is we really, I want to hate that kind of saying work hard, play hard, Yeah, but I'm very intentional, especially recently of, I want to work with focus and diligence uh, according to God. And then also make sure that I don't make my life about work because that is what I did for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And so now it's, just don't forget to also like play and have fun and do these things because that is also just as important. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I have to say that, you know, you talk about how for a very long time you placed your worth in work. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth because I know you did not necessarily say that word for word, but um, I like that resonates with me. Like I am an Enneagram three. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. that um, finding worth in work and achievements is something that I personally struggle with on a regular basis and having to be very intentional, you know, what is it that people say we teach what we want to learn ourselves. And Mm -hmm. as a time management coach, I know that, you know, something that I have to be very mindful of myself is how I'm spending my time. And yeah. how I am, um, you know, being intentional with the different areas of my life. Because I'm sure that you can agree, Jessica, when you love your work, when you love what you're doing, it doesn't feel as much like work. So it's easy for it to just fill up all of the available space. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, again, with those kind of sections, because, you know, my husband and I were leadership on the church, on our church, and that comes with its own stuff that you have to do. And right. If I'm not intentional with, you know, the kind of with my time as far as giving time, church time, you know, all of those things, along with business stuff, it's it is very important that because you are right. Like I I worked, I hustled, like I was a hustler. I would work all the time. And when somebody would ask me, Jess, like, what do you do for fun? I wouldn't like I don't I wouldn't know what to answer because work. Like yeah. tell me to work and I'll work, you know? Right. And I think the enemy comes for me a lot now is Jess, you're not doing enough oh. because I was so used to working all the time. 
like, I mean, I still work all the time, but you know, that hustle, that, that kind of, and so when you come out of that, then that lie comes for you of, well, you didn't really do enough today, you know? And so I think the enemy, like I'm constantly kind of putting that at bay of nope, like I know that the Lord will multiply the works of my hands and, and I keep focusing on, on things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that really speaks to the importance of having your annual with your annual plan with your quarterly focuses because you're able to very clearly define what enough actually looks like on a day-to-day week-by-week basis. So there is no constant question of am I doing enough because you know what enough is now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think enough is so subjective. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can have an idea of, okay, yeah, I know I need to have, you know, do this this many times, but every day can be different because sometimes, you know, your days will be overloaded where you're just like in the flow yeah, and you're just, you know, cranking it out. And then other days you're like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like this, today is just not going great. And I think we have to have grace for ourselves in that, yeah. you know, in that, in, in the plans and in the days and know that it will still work out the more the consistency that we show up. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's shift gears and talk about when things are not going well. <laughs> when we've made plans and we, you know, maybe we have our annual plan or our quarterly plan or we've got a list of goals or a to-do list and things just aren't going as expected. And I'm sure there are a lot of listeners right now thinking about, you know, this past year that we've had where every month brings some kind of new surprise or new change that affects those big plans that we had for ourselves in January, you know, when we embarked on 2020, the year of vision, right? And so, you know, one thing, Jessica, that I would love to hear from you on is, you know, when we're in a period of waiting or uncertainty, you know, things aren't going as planned. You know, what exactly does that, what exactly does the waiting mean? Like, what does that look like? How does it play out in our lives? I think when it comes to waiting, a lot of people kind of think, I'm just going to sit back. I'm going to just relax. I'm just going to kind of wait it out. I'm not going to do any work. And that's kind of a misconception. When I think of waiting, let's kind of equal that to patience. Mm. So it's, I'm still going to pursue the call in my life, even though things don't feel like they're happening. Right. And we can do a lot of work behind the scenes without it ever feeling like it produces results. Yeah. And before, I, I guess the most recent thing for me, I just keep thinking about is the book, uh, because I wrote the book in two sections and yeah. I spent so much time writing this in, in two sections. And every day I'd wake up and write in the, that third quarter and the fourth quarter came and I did the proposal and I did, I emailed it to agents and it was waiting. Mm-hmm. Like, are they going to like my book? What did I do wrong? Why don't they want my book? Mm-hmm. How can I do better? And then coming into, you know, the 2020, it was nobody wanted my book. And I think that when things like that happen, so for example, you can put yourself in this story in any way that you want. You tried a new, you tried something new and you were working and you didn't get the results that you want. Instead of just giving up 
I think it's important that we learn to pivot where we're going and the vehicle that we're using. And I say vehicle, maybe you were doing webinars and maybe what your community really needs is a community. So a monthly paid membership versus running all these webinars and trainings for them, right? And I think that understanding that it is not, knowing that you can pivot doesn't mean that your call's on hold. It doesn't mean that you weren't called just because you got a no or just because something's not happening as fast as you like it to. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's a very important distinction to make. Okay, y'all. So I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDCornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. So yeah, back in episode 26, I talked with Lauren Felter, a professional speaker who had planned for 2020 to be the year that she launched her speaking career. What what a way to walk into 2020. She had quit her full-time job. She sold her home and was preparing to spend the entire year traveling the country from city to city doing speaking engagements. We all know that what happened next, which was completely unexpected with the shutdowns that happened in March, that inevitably completely, you know, threw all of those plans and ideas out the window and she had already closed on her house. And Lauren and I actually talk every Monday about, you know, our goals and what we have coming up next. And one of our recent conversations, um, really centered around the fact that we both feel that we are in our individual callings, 
right now. She, like you, focuses on self-worth and, you know, talking with high school and college age girls about, you know, knowing their worth. And we both came to the conclusion, like for us, we can't imagine doing any uh, anything else. We can't imagine doing a different type of work with a different focus. Like this is it. This is our calling. And we both kind of felt that, you know, failure is not an option, but pivoting, changing the vehicle. Whereas, you know, she had planned to spend the entire year speaking. Okay. So maybe it's not speaking right now. Maybe it's, maybe it's doing courses. Maybe it's creating a community. Just like you said, you don't have to put your calling on hold because plans change. Like that's, it's so timely that you and I are talking today, Jessica, after having that conversation with Lauren. Yeah. And I think that it doesn't even have to be like, it can just look different. Yeah. You know, maybe instead of speaking in person, she's speaking online now to these huge, like these huge gatherings, because that's what this year is turning it is has turned into all the in-persons are being canceled. So reaching out to people that are hosting virtual events, hosting online events, it might not be the in-person, right? but she's still getting speaking. Right. And I think that was this, it, like for me with the book, it was, I wrote an entire new book this year, basically all these new chapters. And it was, I didn't just give up after I heard no silence, all these things. And mm-hmm. I had it in my heart. I was going to self-publish. And then it was like one day the Lord's like, you pretty much wrote a new book. You're going to do a proposal, and yeah. Like, yeah, you know, and it was another route that I wasn't even going to take. And it just, it looks different for everybody, but knowing that it just looks different, even if it didn't have in your head the way you wanted it to be, just kind of giving your give yourself grace for it to not look that way, right? You know, mm-hmm. speaking can be still all done online, you know, or if she wants to host her own virtual event, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely love it. So you've kind of touched on this a little bit with looking for a new vehicle, being open to changing the method without changing the end goal. You know, whether you have a business and you feel like you're in a waiting period with a business, or maybe you're waiting to hear back on the result of a job interview, or maybe you're trying to start a family and you're in that series, in that that season of waiting, you know, when it starts to feel, when you start to feel weary, when it feels like giving up is going to be a pretty good option. How do you keep going? How do you keep putting one foot in front of the other during a period of waiting? For me personally, it's always on the promises of God, like what his word has already said about the works of my hand, about the things that I do, about the call on my life, that nothing is returned void, that I do not labor in vain. So when I work and do the things that I do, I know that he sees me, you know, there's one passage in scripture where Paul talks about, I am not known yet known. And and it's Mm -hmm. things like that, where it goes deep into my identity and speaks to who I am. That reminds me why I keep showing up because people need to be freed. Mm -hmm. They need to be freed from the lies they believe. They need to be free from the world's perspective of them and so many other things. And I think that 
for somebody else, maybe it's understanding why you do what you do. Because if you're just doing what you do for a very external gain, which is not bad, let me tell you, like making money isn't bad. I'm not saying any of that thing, those things. But if you just put all of who you are, like I'm going to wake up today and make money and I want to make $100,000. If that's the only thing that you're depending on to keep you going, you're going to be very frustrated. Right. Because money fluctuates, your your job fluctuates. And the last thing that I want anybody to do is be on this emotional roller coaster of their feelings because their finances are fluctuating. Yeah. And to, so really it goes down to that deep inner why. You, what do you want to see changed in this world? Because that's what you're called to do. And as you do that, if you're going to be called to show up, like, I don't feel like working today, but I know that this woman, the woman I used to be needs to be freed from her past so that she can rise to the occasion and show up in her life today and not, you know, live in pain and treat others this way, you know? And it's just, those things remind me, okay, I need to get up and do this today. Yeah. 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 Having that crystal clear, strong connection with your why, you know, it's the fuel to get started and it's the fire that keeps you going. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so that's so, yeah, that's so important. And, you know, I think about what you said about how if an amount of money is what's driving you, you know, whether it's, I want to make six figures, I want to make my first million, always going back to, but why, you know, what what would making six figures give you? Mm-hmm. What would making your first million like give you? Does that it does that allow you to feel worthy? Does that give you um, does that help you hit a mark that means that you're quote unquote successful? Or does having that amount of money enable you to create experiences? for your family? Does it enable you to, you know, create a, you know, comfortable lifestyle that enables you to, you know, feel safety, feel security, et cetera, et cetera, really getting to the bottom of why, if your goal is purely financial right now, can be a first step to, you know, uncovering what that is for you? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think the more you don't me personally, attach it to very specific things that are very fleeting and fluctuates, the more likely you're able to stay steady. Again, like numbers and money goals aren't bad, but the more you can focus on that common theme of the woman or the man or whoever you want to help, then everything else will go into place. Because the more we focus on money and those things, the more we look at people as the dollar signs versus the purpose that you show up. Right. When you're in the waiting period and, you know, you're, you are feeling discouraged and you, deep down, you know that if you can stay connected to your why, that you'll have that ability to keep going. Jessica, I'd love to you know, know from you personally, like, how do you keep your why? How do you keep that passion and that purpose top of mind in order to, you know, keep going? Hmm. I think it's just like a muscle. And the more we put into practice one particular trait Mm -hmm. or anything, it becomes more intrinsic. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't set out my shoes or my workout clothes because it's really intrinsic for me to kind of 
you know, get up and, and work out that day or move my body in some way. Now for other people, it's not intrinsic, but they might have different intrinsic priorities that are, you know, just different than mine. So for me, I think it's that overtime consistency of being in the word and knowing that woman that I want to help and having real life conversations with that person, you know, of, okay, like she really exists. You know, it's not just social media conversations that I'm having, but that also fires me up to see when you have those in-person connections to that person or it really reminds me and, and continues to solidify, like, this is why you do what you do. So I guess for me, it's really that muscle that I built to continue to show up because it's been so kind of ingrained in me that this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the word no for a second. <laughs> the word no and rejection, because none of us are strangers to being told no. Um, And it can be very discouraging. It can be so tough to hear no, especially when it's tied to something that you've put your heart and soul into. In that initial moment when it stings and you have a decision to make about how you're going to respond and what you're going to do next, you know, Jessica, how can we prepare ourselves to to handle the no's and the rejections of life? So two things for me that come to mind is look at it subjectively and allow yourself to ask questions of the other possibilities. So looking at it subjectively would be apart from your identity. Because usually when we hear a no, it's we tie it right into I'm not good enough. Oh, yeah. I got to know personally. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not good enough. I need to stop what I'm doing. This person didn't like me. I said it wrong. I must not be called to do this. So if I can look at it very subjectively of it's a no, really? And that's it. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's, I, I don't attach anything really else to it. And then I can just allow myself then to ask questions. So that means when I got a no from an agent, I wouldn't say they hated my book. Right. I would say things like maybe they already had a book like that. Yes. They are not accepting any new authors because they already have enough authors. They right now are closed for business because they are taking three months sabbatical, right? Right. There are very subjective questions that you can ask regarding the no that can help you grow. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the two, two things that I typically do now is if somebody even says something on social media uh, that can really easily sting because we're just becoming, you know, social media people and just say what we feel all the time is when I get those kind of things, then I also do that kind of same process. Sometimes I feel it. There's been times where I'm like, man, that kind of like hurt a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I got that no and wow, I really felt that and that made me really sad. So I will sit with it sometimes, like mm-hmm. not for like weeks, but I'll just sit in it. I'll be with my body and yeah. feel it. And then just go even to that social media, that person or whatever and go, man, like they must be having a really tough day. Right. They must be really hurting, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's, again, that subjective, it allows me to also extend grace and mercy to different people and situations. And those would be my really top two things of how I process it and how I really like to help other women to kind of work through those things too. 
Jessica, can you sum up that one and two for us just one more time before we move on? Yes. So looking at when you hear no or rude comments or bad comments or anything like that, it's taking the the no or the thing that you hear, looking at it subjectively, meaning you're not attaching an emotion to it, your identity or your worth. And then you look at it subjectively with questions, other mm-hmm. possibilities that could really be going on versus this person doesn't like me or they don't, they don't like my work or something along those lines. Awesome. I love that. And I thank you for repeating that because it's so good. I just wanted to make sure that everybody had an opportunity for that to sink in. Yes. So you can't get a no unless you try. Yeah. And trying can be very scary because Mm -hmm. of the possibility of a no. Right? Yeah. So Jessica, what advice do you have for anyone listening who who has a desire or maybe feels called to start something new, whether it's starting a business or making the ask to make working from home permanent or applying for grad school or just any of the big, small moves that we may want to make in life. What advice would you have for someone about pushing past the fear of no? I guess my question to them would be, are you going to let other people decide how you live your life? Mm -hmm. Because essentially that's what we're doing. Yeah, We're saying, if you don't approve of me, then I'm going to listen to what you say and I'm going to live my life according to what you say. Mm-hmm. So if I don't get accepted, then that means that I'm just going to sit back and not do that thing because you didn't accept me. Right. And I think it's important that, you know, you you do make that differentiation again between not allowing – I just posted today on my social media about how we let social – how we let strangers on the internet derail us from our mission. Yeah. We're letting people that do not know us, that we do not know, dictate what we are to do with our life, how we are to live it, and what we're supposed to do next. Mm -hmm. We have to begin to understand that our call is very independent of their opinion. Mm -hmm. Now, it doesn't mean that we can't listen for feedback. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm saying when we hold their opinion to a higher standard of our own call, we're then allowing strangers and people we do not know to live our life for us. Mm -hmm. And it's a very dangerous place to be. Mm -hmm. And I think making that, you know, just very clear distinction that what they say to you is not the absolute truth. It might be some kind of truth or some feedback or something like that, but it's not the absolute truth over you. And as far as pushing through fear and, you know, I'm not into that whole fearless thing. I think (laughs) that it's, we live in this world and there is going to, there's an enemy after us and we're going to experience fear because of our thoughts. For me, when it comes to fear, it's really this idea that sometimes there's a lot of reasons why we fear. We fear that, you know, we don't have control. We don't know what's going on next. So we fear all the possibilities. Pushing through fear The only way I believe we can really kind of shut down the voices in our head is to actually do the work. Yeah. Because then we realize 
when we actually fill out the application and submit it, when we write the book, when we write the first chapter, when we listen to our first training, when we get our first email or our opt-in or whatever, it's realizing that wasn't so bad. Right. So for me to be able to say, push past your fear is to step into what you're supposed to do. Yes. Yes. Jessica, my friend, <laughs> this, <laughs> this has been just such an inspiring conversation. I am so, so incredibly grateful to you for giving your time, your perspective, and giving your heart to this interview. I know it is going to positively affect and touch the lives of literally anyone who listens to it because you have shared such powerful thoughts and words for us to just take and run with. So I can't thank you enough for your time and for anyone listening who wants to stay in touch and read all of your books and you know get to know you, where can we find you online and just where can we find you? <laughs> Yeah. So if you're listening on this podcast, obviously you're listening on a podcast platform. So you can come hang out with me on my podcast. What's the truth? I address a lie that we tend to believe every single week. And I have some truth talks mixed in there. And you can find me on Instagram. You can find me pretty much anywhere on social media at Jessica Hoddle. My website's Jessica Hoddle, but I love hanging out on Instagram the most. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, I will be sure to link up Jessica's social media handles, uh, as well as share a link to her podcast so you guys can connect with her, keep in touch, and continue learning from and being inspired by Jessica. Thank you again so much. I'm so grateful for you, Jessica, and I look forward to staying in touch and talking with you soon. Thank you so much for having me. And there you have it. As you're moving on with your day today, if there's something that you're afraid to pursue because you're afraid of the no, I encourage you to ask yourself to sit with this question that Jessica posed near the end of our conversation. Are you going to let other people decide how you live your life? And then let me leave this with you. Bronnie Ware was a hospice nurse taking care of people at the end of their lives. She began asking her patients, what are your biggest regrets? And what emerged were the five most common regrets of the dying. The number one most common regret was, I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself not the life others expected of me. You can do that. You can live a life that's true to yourself. You just have to have courage. It's in there. Now go do the scary thing that you want to do. You can find all the details on this episode and all the links to stay in touch with Jessica over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 45. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Now go do the scary thing. 
Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.